Good morning and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the African Perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg here in South Africa. We are on DSTV's Audio Bouquet Channel 802 and you can also catch us on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Jolani Tulo. In studio with me is Anne Musa, Tabiso Lihoko and Figile Lingwati. Top stories the Sabah on Africa Rise and Shine. AU scales down operations as coronavirus cases increase in Africa. Kenya confirms nine more cases of the coronavirus. In economic news, African Export-Import Bank trains Zimbabwe bankers. And in sports, the Tokyo Olympics postponed until 2021. But first, let's get the news with Anne Musa. SABC News. Independent and impartial from an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The Botswana government says it will immediately place under mandatory quarantine its citizens who return to the country after traveling to South Africa. In a statement, Botswana's health and Wellness Ministry says this is because South Africa is affected by the coronavirus. It says it hopes this will prevent the transmission of the fast-spreading virus across the country's borders. Only Botswana nationals will be allowed to get into Botswana during this period. South Africa's COVID-19 cases now stand at 554, while Botswana has not recorded any case of the pandemic. South Africa's International Relations Department has urged citizens who are stuck in various parts of the world due to the coronavirus pandemic to make contact with the South African embassies in those countries. The department says it's currently working on assisting about 20 citizens in Morocco, a group of around 50 South Africans working for a construction company in Cameroon's Douala City, have pleaded with government to assist them to urgently return home. Ministry spokesperson Lunga Ngangelele. What we are asking South Africans to do is want to observe the regulations that have been placed by the government of the countries where they are because they are meant to protect not just the communities of those particular countries but everyone in terms of getting this virus not spreading. And we are asking them to try to conduct our missions in the countries where they are so that they can register their names so that we know who and where they are and we'll be able to lie as, as more information comes to us with what needs to happen. Zimbabwe has recorded another positive case of the novel coronavirus, bringing the total to three. On Tuesday, one of the confirmed cases succumbed to the new virus. 30-year-old broadcaster Zororo Makamba was buried in Harare on Tuesday, Nomabulane reports. Zimbabwe's latest case is a man who is believed to have been in contact with Zororo Makamba. According to the health ministry, Makamba was buried in accordance with public health regulations. But his death sparked fury across the southern African country. Makamba's family wrote an open letter accusing the health department of being inadequate and failing to treat their loved one accordingly. The media personality contracted COVID-19 while in New York to receive treatment for a lung operation. Social media users expressed their shock and horror, saying they knew that the country's collapsed health system would not be able to deal with the pandemic. 
New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has pleaded for medical supplies, warning that COVID-19's peak in the state will be worse than anticipated. He said the federal government was not sending enough equipment to combat the crisis, noting the state needs 30,000 ventilators. New York now has over 25,000 confirmed cases and at least 210 deaths. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization says it is seeing a large acceleration in infections in the U.S. They are more than 43,900 cases across all 50 states. The District of Columbia, Guam, Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Island, at least 547 people have died. WHO says the U.S. might soon overtake Europe as the center of COVID-19. And finally, at least 47 Nigerian soldiers have been killed in an ambush by the Islamist militant group Boko Haram. It's one of the deadliest attacks targeting Nigerian soldiers in recent weeks. The military in the West African nation says troops were killed on Monday when insurgents attacked a convoy which had left the city of Maiduguri in northeast with a supply of bombs and other ammunition. The troops came under fire in an ambush by insurgents. Rocket-propelled grenades were reportedly fired at the convoy, causing alarm explosion. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. We call upon church leaders to really cooperate with government and not allow more than 100 people in churches. It is the church which can help us to stop this crisis. The church should not contribute to this crisis uh, negatively. We are calling upon our church leaders to listen to our premiers, our mayors, and the president. Let's work together uh, to reduce the spread of this uh, virus. South Africa, it is possible. We are here because unity of purpose is necessary. Channel Africa. The Tokyo 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games have been postponed until next year because of the worldwide coronavirus pandemic. The event due to begin or is due to begin was due rather to begin on the 24th of July from the BBC in London. Here's Jackie Leonard. This is the Coronavirus Global Update. I'm Jackie Leonard with the latest on the pandemic. Japan postpones the 2020 Olympics. Spain is on course to having more coronavirus deaths than China. And Chinese officials say the city of Wuhan will end its lockdown next month. After weeks of speculation, Japan has finally bowed to the inevitable and agreed to postpone the Tokyo Summer Olympics because of the coronavirus pandemic. Our sports news correspondent, Alex Kapstick, explains. On Sunday, the IOC released a statement in which they said that they would look at postponement, but they wouldn't make a decision for a maximum of four weeks. And people around the world, athletes, were saying, look, we can't go out, we can't train, we can't compete. Uh, We need some clarity on this. Clearly, that has hit home. They've had this conversation uh, and they've agreed that the Games will be postponed until 2021. You know, if the virus continues to spread and it's not contained, obviously they'll have to think again. But clearly they had to make some sort of decision. 
The Olympic postponement will be costly for Japanese businesses. The banking firm Goldman Sachs has estimated the country could miss out on more than $4 billion in revenue as a result. But companies around the world have been sacrificing and doing their bit throughout this pandemic. For instance, health officials have said millions of breathing ventilators could be needed to treat people with the virus. And major car makers are helping meet that demand. Our reporter Nick Miles with the details. Companies like Fiat, they're changing one of their plants in China to make ventilators. The Mahindra Group in India, a big tractor maker, they're doing likewise. Nissan, Formula One teams, General Motors in the States, they're all saying that they're going to make ventilators. But there's a lot of scepticism as to how quickly this could actually come into place. One US Department of Security official has been telling the Washington Post that it could take many months to come into effect. No industry is being put to the test more than healthcare. Medical workers around the globe are on the front lines of the coronavirus outbreak. Dr Nabir Shahib is a pharmacist in the Iraqi city of Karbala. He said doctors and nurses simply don't have the facilities or the equipment they need. It's already out of hand here. We have very bad medical system. We have uh, many cases rising every day and we don't have any place for the isolation, not enough the medical supplies also. Our hospitals is not prepared for the virus, you know. In Spain, the number of new cases continues to rise. The country is now on course to have more coronavirus deaths than China. Soldiers called in to help at old-age care homes have found several elderly people dead, abandoned in their beds. Dr. Dunia Hernandez was treating patients near Barcelona. Five days ago, she tested positive and was put under quarantine. Here she is on the strain faced by Spanish hospital staff. At the beginning of this whole crisis, every staff that had been in contact with a positive COVID case was sent home for 14 days. But today it is assumed that we have this contact every day and only the staff who show symptoms are tested and only those positive go home for 10 days. This means you can be in the incubation period and still be working. The scary thing of it all is that one in four infected by COVID-19 is a health worker. And if we start getting infected, we will not be able to attend the demanding patients. There are few countries on earth that have remained untouched by the coronavirus. Now Myanmar has said at least two people there have tested positive. Our Southeast Asia correspondent Jonathan Head has the details. With a population of 54 million and one of the world's most poorly resourced public health systems, Myanmar's vulnerability has long worried health experts. There's been widespread scepticism over the official statistic showing no infections Now Myanmar has its first reported coronavirus cases. Doctors at one of Bangkok's top hospitals have issued a stark warning to the people of Thailand that if stricter social distancing measures are not immediately implemented, they will see more than 300,000 cases within 30 days and more than 7,000 deaths. As Myanmar announces its first official cases of coronavirus, the number of new cases in neighbouring China is in sharp decline. The authorities in Wuhan, where the virus was first detected, have said they'll begin loosening the city's strict lockdown conditions on the 8th of April. Connor Reid is a British citizen living in Wuhan who contracted the virus last year. He said the lifting of restrictions would be hugely welcome. Obviously, when the quarantine measures are over and people are still going to be cautious, people are still going to wear masks and practice social distancing, it's not going to go straight back to normal straight away. But people are definitely looking forward to going out and looking forward to just doing the things that they were doing before this happened. It's having that freedom of choosing to do that. Um, I can if I want to. At the moment, I can't. Connor Reid in Wuhan. 
And that's all for now, but we'll be back tomorrow with another Coronavirus Global Update. As countries all over the world restrict the flow of goods to halt the spread of the COVID-19 virus, one UN agency has come up with a plan to keep vital food and medical supplies on the move. The agency is the UN Economic Commission for Europe, UNECE, and it has just launched an online observatory on border crossings all over the world. The tool can be used by transport companies to keep goods flowing as smoothly as possible, as UNECE's John Rodriguez tells Daniel Johnson. What we're saying is that a huge amount of countries have imposed transport restrictions both for passengers and for goods over the last weeks. And well, some of those are perfectly understandable in order to protect the population and to limit the spread of the virus. What we're saying is that they should be limited to the maximum extent possible to allow for the normal flow of goods, especially for goods which are absolutely indispensable like food and medical supplies. And you're also talking about oxygen. Obviously, with COVID-19, people need oxygen who have uh, respiratory difficulties. Absolutely. This is something on which we will come back later on this week. But um, we have an international convention on the transport of dangerous goods called the ADR, which caters for the uh, national in the EU. It caters for the national transport, but more globally in in all the the other countries, it caters for the international transport of uh, dangerous goods, including um, fuels, for instance, which is uh, also uh, very much important at the current juncture, but also so medical supplies and in particular gases like oxygen. So the hospitals uh, receiving oxygen to treat the uh, most uh, at-risk patients in, in which need uh, um, breathing help, they need that oxygen and uh, that oxygen is being delivered by uh, trucks, by tankers, uh, by tankers on one hand or via uh, bottles. And in both cases, the, uh, the rules and regulations applying to the transport of this of these gas is managed via this uh, agreement. So there's a number of measures that have to be taken to ensure the smooth flow of those supplies, especially at this uh, current juncture. And we're uh, working on, on that with countries to uh, take the appropriate measures to ensure the maximum availability uh, of the uh, of these materials uh, wherever they need it. And just let's talk about one of the measures that UNECE, the UN Economic Commission for Europe, your agency has to to promote the flow of, of goods and essential goods, as you say, with no physical contact. Maybe you could tell me about some of those without physical contact measures, which might actually reassure countries that they can leave their borders open. Yes, well, we've got a variety of tools, including uh, the, the digitalized way of working in our in our tier convention, which allows for the flow of goods to tr- to cross several borders. Uh, if all these uh, countries uh, which are crossed are all uh, contracting parties to this particular convention. So you seal the truck at the uh, country of origin and it can cross many borders with only showing the papers. The, the trucks are sealed and the uh, the customs and the uh, border controls can be uh, then sure that uh, nothing has happened to that cargo up until the uh, arriving point. So those procedures exist. What we're calling on countries is to use them to the maximum extent possible. The current uh, countries applying them uh, are, are, are using them. And, and many other countries could possibly uh, start using them. Of course, this requires preparation 
operations. So it's not something that can be implemented uh, over the over a couple of days. But uh, we also want to raise awareness on the existence of those tools. Obviously, it's important that transport continues uh, to happen because of these essential uh, fuels and food and medicines and oxygen particularly. But at the same time, we're trying to stamp out COVID-19. So there has to be an element of uh, expectation that there will be disruption, surely. This is exactly what we're saying. We understand that uh, the the pandemic and the measures taken by countries to limit the spread of the virus impose certain controls that did not exist before. What we're saying is that to the extent possible, these measures should be limited to what is needed and not aggravated on uh, things which are not needed. What we also say is that by uh, adopting measures which are not coordinated with the neighbours or are not coordinated with the partners in regional organisations, in the EU, for instance, or in other uh, regions of the world uh, for uh, where regional agreements on the transport of goods exists, these are putting uh, additional burdens on the uh, and additional hurdles on the, on the flow of goods, which are not necessary, neither for uh, the fighting the pandemic nor for uh, maintaining uh, to the maximum extent possible the economic activity. And your appeal for supply chains to continue, for transport, for for trucks and boats to carry on transporting vital food and fuels and uh, medical equipment around the globe, how big is your reach at uh, the UN Economic Commission for Europe? What we're announcing today is the launch of the observatory to provide as much information for countries worldwide. You, you, you can see on the observatory that we've got countries which are not at all in our region. So we've got agreements covering many things. Some of these agreements are regional, quite a few are global. But this observatory will include and is including already information both on our 56 countries, but uh, potentially on pending, uh, we have available information. And the countries provide it, will provide information for all countries in the world. And very last question to you, if you could just take a step back, I don't suppose the UNEC has ever really seen um, this kind of test to multilateral cooperation before in its history. So as the organisation that uh, really looks after all sorts of international conventions on transport and uh, air pollution norms, as well as many other things that we don't have time to mention now, how have these conventions actually withstood the challenge posed by COVID? Well, uh, I think none of us has ever uh, faced uh, something like this. What we're seeing is that uh, countries are uh, coming together on some in some areas to adopt the measures and to negotiate the measures that will facilitate the flow of goods in certain instances, and this is already happening. And we'll make some further announcements uh, in the coming days. Of course, our... Our call is for multilateralism and countries to continue to cooperate because in our globalized world, in many instances, the solution is just not uh, manageable at national level. And on top of that, the other side of the coin is that the measures taken unilaterally by one country can have spillover effects on its neighbors or or on other countries further down the the supply chain or further down the road. And uh, as the UN ECE, this is what we're trying to, uh, to minimize. That's John Rodriguez from UN Economic Commission for Europe speaking there to Daniel Johnson of UN News. On anom- WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children.
if your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk, a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. It's just gone 21 minutes after 7 o'clock Central African time here on Channel Africa. You're still tuned into Africa Rise and Shine with myself, Jolani. You can always give us a tweet us on Rise Shine Africa or even email us on info at channelafrica.org. The African Union Commission is struggling under the pressure of COVID-19. The AUM headquarters in Addis Ababa is now operating with very few employees while others have not been allowed have been allowed to work from home. The chair of the African Union, President Sir Ramaphosa has postponed a scheduled meeting with AU commissioners, citing the need to prioritize South Africa's response to the coronavirus. Kaleta Wanjohi reports from Addis Ababa. normal day, the African Union Commission corridors would be full of activity, with different continental meetings happening concurrently. But with COVID-19 beginning to spread in Ethiopia, the African Union Commission has scaled back its operations. Only essential workers are on site and meetings have been banned. Alan Gatugi is one of the AU Commission employees. I commend the management for the measures that they have put in place because it's reducing the, 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 the interactions around and then uh, uh, staff have been requested to work from home or work in sedges, which is very, very, very commendable because we have a pandemic and therefore drastic measures have to be taken. Gideon Mushiringa is also an AU Commission employee. If I go home now, I will be put under quarantine. So, uh, as, as well, here we are also needed because we have to maintain some core functions uh, to keep them running. So, uh, because I am uh, actually a fin- senior finance officer in African Union, so we are keeping some systems to run and uh, keep the, uh, the organization to run at a, at a, at a minimum level. Only one entrance into the main building of the African Union Commission is being used. Everybody who enters undergoes screening. The sanitizers installed when Africa was grappling with Ebola virus have come in handy. The African Union Commission is trying to set an example by reducing contact between employees. Chairperson Musa Faki Mahamat is asking all citizens on the continent to ensure that they take actions that will protect them and prevent the spread of COVID-19. But a restaurant located in the AU compound has decided to stay open, despite a drastic drop in business. Samson Oduol is the executive chef of the Gusto restaurant at the African Union. These changes that we have made, for example, is to train our staff, you know, about the coronavirus, some of the precaution measures they should take, you know, simple things like always washing their hands, uh, changing their clothes every day. We also have the showers that, you know, they can go and shower every morning when they come and also before they leave so that everything that you know that we do has to have the highest standards the restaurant has been rearranged to allow for social distancing chamulamba nyamabo is one of the employees who continues coming to the restaurant and uh, i see my friend you see the way we are seated here it's far away from me 
But in former times, we used to sit like, you know, very close by. But nowadays, we, we, we try to, uh, to take some distance. Oladipo Johnson is also an AU Commission employee who is still at work. The physical distance maybe is kept, but not so much social distance. We, you know, you, you have to be cheerful, you have to keep alive, you have to trust that you know, things will get better. The executive chef of Augusto restaurant at the AU, Samson Odwal, says the management of the restaurant has decided to keep all staff employed through the tough time. These people have been there for us during the great times, during the times when we've made you know, lots and lots of returns. So why lay them out? You think it's time for us to be with them, you know, to fight with them, to still give them their salaries. Everybody operating at the African Union Commission hopes COVID-19 will be contained soon and that the African Union compound will quickly return to normal. Koleto Anjohi, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Cases of the coronavirus in Kenya have increased to 25 after nine new cases were confirmed on Tuesday. Health Cabinet Secretary Motahi Kagwe said the cases are spread out in four of the 47 counties in the country. They are Nairobi, Mombasa, Kilifi and Kwale. The Kenyan government is expected to announce more measures to tackle the virus later today. In the last 24 hours, a total of 82 Samples from suspected cases of coronavirus have been tested in various laboratories, namely the National Influenza Center, Camry Nairobi, Camry Welcome Trust Kilifi, and Aga Khan Hospitals. Out of the 82 samples, we have received confirmation of nine people who have tested positive to the coronavirus disease. This brings the total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in Kenya to 25. These confirmed cases are spread out in four counties, namely Nairobi, Mombasa, Kilefe, and Kwale. Out of the nine confirmed cases, seven are Kenyans, while two are foreigners. And of the seven Kenyans, three have contacted the virus from close contact or previously confirmed cases, while the four others have contacted the same from countries that are affected with the virus. The new patients have already been taken into isolation in our facilities and are being monitored by our medical personnel together with others previously turned positive. Tracing of contacts of the, for the new patients as well as those of the previous patients is ongoing. That was Kenyan Cabinet Secretary of Health, Motahi Kagwe, speaking in Nairobi. 
Although there is currently no clear evidence that people living with HIV or TB are at an increased risk of acquiring um, COVID-19 or of becoming more ill from it, UNAIDS says it's concerned about the welfare of people living with HIV and TB in Southern Africa. The agency has called for countries in the region to step up fight against the coronavirus, drawing lessons from their battle against the TB and HIV uh, epidemics. Um, We'll get back to the story. Let's just quickly take a quick news uh, quick break and then we'll be back with headlines with Anne Musa. More than 300,000 cases of COVID-19 have now been reported to WHO from almost every country in the world. That's heartbreaking. The pandemic is accelerating. It took 67 days from the first reported case to reach the first 100,000 cases. 11 days for the second 100,000 cases. And just four days for the third 100,000 cases. You can see how the virus is accelerating. Wash your hands often for at least 20 seconds. Avoid touching your face as well as surfaces that other people touch. Washing your hands with water and soap is essential to fight the coronavirus. Clean your hands with sanitizer that has an alcohol content of 60% or more. For more updates on the coronavirus in South Africa and worldwide, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. And Musa standing by for our news headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, there are now signs of an emerging global response to the coronavirus pandemic, with leaders from the G20 group of countries agreeing to hold a virtual summit. The Botswana government says it will immediately place under mandatory quarantine its citizens who return to the country after travelling to South Africa. And at least 47 Nigerian soldiers have been killed in an ambush by the Islamist militant group Boko Haram. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. 
Thank you, Anne, for that news update. Now back to this story. Although there is currently no clear evidence that people living with HIV or TB are at an increased risk of acquiring COVID-19 or becoming more ill from it, UNAIDS says it's concerned about the welfare of people living with HIV and TB in Southern Africa. The agency has called for countries in the region to step up fight against the coronavirus, drawing lessons from their battle against the TB and HIV epidemics. More from Alanka Malavia, UNAIDS senior regional prevention advisor. There's currently actually no clear evidence that people living with HIV or TB are at an increased risk of acquiring COVID-19, which we normally call coronavirus nowadays, or of becoming more ill from it, or that HIV treatment is protective against COVID-19. However, we have to understand and keep in mind that so far the affected countries from this pandemic are the low-prevalence countries like China, Spain, Italy, where the prevalence of U.S. is in between 0.2 to 0.1 or 0.3% in that range. Whereas for Southern African region, it's in the range of 16, 20% to 20% uh, adult prevalence. So I think uh, as we manage this pandemic in uh, Southern Africa, we have more evidences. However, we also have to keep in mind that many people who live with HIV are aging. They have other health conditions like heart diseases or lung diseases. And there are evidences that these people are more susceptible to a more severe COVID-19 disease. Also, due to the weaker healthcare systems, informal settlements and overcrowded cities and public transportation, to the self-protection of social distancing for various communities, including communities who are marginalized, the containment may not be that viable. Now, with so much attention right now directed towards COVID-19 patients, to what extent have HIV and TB patients felt the effects of this, if at all? As COVID-19 has just begun to affect the Eastern and Southern African region, there is possibility of disruption of HIV and TB prevention, testing and treatment services. We are in particularly concerned about the welfare of the 6.8 million people living in the HIV in the region who do not have access to treatment and who may have compromised immune systems. Also, the 13.8 million people who are living with HIV and who are on treatment, access to treatment or discontinuation of treatment could be a challenge. We are also concerned about the welfare of people living with HIV and the key populations who we consider as the sex workers, transgender, people who use drugs, gay men and other people, and men who have sex with men, and people in prison under these challenging circumstances. Under these challenging circumstances, indeed. What do you think people living with HIV and TB need to know most? As we learn more about the COVID-19 and its linkages or interactions with HIV and TB, we suggest that all people living with HIV and TB to take all precautions to reduce their exposure to COVID-19. Prevention includes social distancing, hygiene, washing hands, and avoiding crowded places. We also suggest that all people who live with HIV to reach out to their healthcare providers to ensure that they have adequate stock of essential medicines. As COVID-19 affects countries with higher HIV and TB prevalence, we expect a better understanding and new learning as we move forward and how this affects people. What is UNAIDS doing to ensure that access to life-saving HIV treatment is not disrupted as Southern Africa tackles the COVID-19 pandemic? So UNAIDS Regional Office in Eastern Southern Africa is working with governments in the region and through our country offices of UNAIDS and the community partners to firstly undertake some rapid surveys to assess 
the information needs, medication on hand, and availability of the population to access service support networks. We are also trying to assess if multi-month dispensing of ARVs is being fully implemented. If not, what are the challenges and how they can be resolved. And we are also trying to assess continuously through our partners and through country offices the possibility of HIV service interruption at health facilities, community sites, and mobile clinics and outreach sites. And then we are supporting countries and along with partners and UN co-sponsors developing contingency plans for access to services should the COVID-19 response affect those routine services. And assess also whether the travel restrictions, quarantine measures are affecting access to necessary medical care. And before I let you go, are there any lessons in your view to be drawn from the HIV and TB response in the region that could be applied in tackling COVID-19? I think the biggest example or the best practice we have from HIV response, which has been very successful in the region, is that we encourage countries to learn from the AIDS response and ensure community-led preparedness, planning and response. In the AIDS response, governments, UN partners and international community and local communities work together to find local solutions because solutions differ from context to context because something which is applicable for informal settlement and humanitarian crisis may be different than what is working in cities and areas without access to basic necessities. We encourage countries to keep communities in the center. They should focus also on the marginalized population and also consider in many cases that home may not be the safest place for a woman to stay. These are some of the lessons. That's Alanka Malvia, UNAIDS Senior Regional Prevention Advisor, talking to Channel Africa's Elizabeth Lidira. A group of about around 50 South Africans working for a construction company in the Cameroonian city of Douala have pleaded with the South African government to assist them return home immediately amid fears of contracting the coronavirus. They say their employer insists on keeping them on duty where there are over 600 workers on site, despite the Cameroonian government's announcement that no more than 50 people are allowed to gather in order to curb the spread of the COVID-19, we Sunny Makubele report. Many countries have banned international travel as they try to contain the spread of COVID-19. These South Africans working in Cameroon have accused their employer of prioritizing profits over their lives. One of them, Kwanel Nomongo, is worried that they'll end up contracting the virus as the majority of people in the city don't seem concerned about adhering to government protocols. We are stuck in this country with no means of air transport to go back home. We came here with one of the companies that has employed us under the subcontractors, the name of the company is Robex, and um, the goals of the main contractor is that we should finish the construction here. So we are pleading to you, it could be the Home Affairs Department, foreign departments, military or organize us a flight aircraft that can come and collect us and take us back home. The Ministry of International Relations and Cooperation says it's aware of a number of South Africans stuck in various parts of the world due to the corona pandemic. It says regionally it's currently working on assisting about 20 citizens in Morocco. Spokesperson for the Minister of Dekolunga Nangelele. We are in contact with the colleagues, including with the government in Morocco. Part of what we are doing on is that we are monitoring the planes 
that are able to fly from Morocco to other parts of the country so that we can advise the colleagues uh, about the availability of the seats in these planes so that they can be able to fly back home. Nangelele says every South African stranded abroad should make contact with the South African embassy in that country. What we are asking South Africans to do is want to observe the regulations that have been placed by the government of the countries where they are because they are meant to protect not just the communities of those particular countries but everyone in terms of getting this virus not spreading. And we are asking them to try to conduct our missions in the countries where they are so that they can register their names so that we know who and where they are and we'll be able to lie as, as more information comes to us with what needs to happen. At the same time, a group of foreign nationals are yet to be released from a holding facility at the OR Tambo International Airport. The facility is used for travelers who have been denied access into the country for immigration reasons. They are supposed to be kept there for no more than 24 hours. However, some have been there since Friday morning. Nicole Brunda says her friend who carries a British passport was immediately taken away soon after she landed with her husband from Rwanda on Saturday. Wasn't told anything. Husband didn't know what was going on. Her phone was taken away from her. There was a lot of other people inside. There is no face masks. There is no sanitizers. They are sleeping in communal situations. There's nothing to protect them whatsoever. They're all like scared. They don't know what's going on. No one's telling them what's going on, how long they're going to be there for. And why take their phones away? They can't phone their airlines, they can't phone their consulates, they don't know what to do. On Monday, the airport's company South Africa, AXA, said it had engaged with the responsible entities to cater for the provision of gloves, masks and hand sanitizers in the facility and referred further questions to the Department of Home Affairs. Home Affairs has not been available for comment. I'm Wisani Makubele in Johannesburg. South Africa's Eastern Cape Province Health Department will deploy more than a 1,000 unemployed nurses throughout the province to fight the spread of the coronavirus. It has partnered with the South African Council of Churches to spread the word on the preventative measures. The province has two confirmed cases of the virus. Our reporter Veronica Faree. The Kwebabs Club in Kruenweil is a hotspot for residents to have a drink and a chat, watch sport and have a game of pool. At night, it really comes alive. The owner, Kelvin Kona, says everything changed nearly overnight and customers are staying away. Since with, with, the, with the new arrangement, I have to cut on staff now because I have three uh, cleaners here. I have a barman and a bar lady as well as a manager now which means it, it will be six household without a salary i can't give them a full salary because they only be working for an hour and from five to six normally we're trading from five to ten that's my that's that's the time that i'm making business but with the new arrangements i'm doomed workers like david williams fear the worst it's gonna affect me directly and, and as of now we are uncertain as as how long this is gonna last if you're going to still have jobs, if the business is still going to remain open, that's the main concern. Residents feel the responsible approach is the way to go, and then your life will not grind to a halt. Who would be lost without our yoga? Because <laughs> it's building up our bodies to make them fit to cope with anything we have to. We're living in that beautiful town, fresh air, and we're still very privileged. 
be able to come out and enjoy coffee. I think I'm okay and we do what we've been told, so we wash our hands and we sanitize it and I think everybody is cautious. We're not housebound yet and we go out and we have fun. The appetite for social gatherings is low and it is impacting business. Hesti van der Mescht owns the popular eatery Polka. She's now considering serious steps because of the regulations. Definitely looking into um, changing the hours of the staff, maybe half. And um, I'm not looking into letting go anybody, but um, yeah, we have to look at the hours and business-wise. Because um, last night we had two tables that turn around and go because they can't have alcohol after six. Grafrenet is a popular tourist destination. The Drosday Hotel, which is popular amongst international guests, had to adapt and put measures in place. 90% of their guests cancelled their bookings. The general manager, Jana Skuman, says they had to put in measures to mitigate the impact the virus is having on their business. Every single staff member gets screened twice a day. Um, and then also from a cleanliness point of view and hygiene point of view, we've purchased quite a bit of sanitizer, um, alcohol-based clean, cleaning chemicals, etc., to, to assist with cleaning everything that we can. We had to close down one restaurant, uh, just from a business point of view, to assist the staff as well. We've had a lot of cancellations. We also had to postpone two weddings. Business owners in big cities and smaller areas are bracing for challenging economic times as the virus continues to spread throughout South Africa. Veronica Furi in Grafrenet. That report brings us now to time for our economics news with Tabi Solehoko. Good morning. Mining companies are bracing for the negative impact of the lumination-wide lockdown aimed at slowing the spread of the coronavirus. Mining analyst Johan Meyer has warned the mines of an unexpected leap in costs in addition to their lost output. South Africa is a potential hotbed of infections among the thousands of miners who often work in confined spaces with some living nearby in cramped accommodation. On Monday, President Sir Ramaphosa imposed a 21-day lockdown from Thursday midnight after a surge in coronavirus cases. The number of infections in South Africa now stands at 554, with no deaths reported. Labour expert in South Africa, Bukanim Goma, says domestic workers are not compelled to work during the lockdown and there is no regulation that compels employers to pay workers for the period that they did not work. Goma says domestic workers are not classified as essential workers. Most of employers say no work, no pay. There is that fear, but they won't lose their job. Yeah, we are appealing to employers, can they please keep them? Can they then send workers to Department of Labor? Let a worker get that money from Department of Labor. What will happen then if an employer, Arampatalele EUAF, we are so worried about that. 
The Restaurant Association of South Africa says that there will be no deliveries of food during the 21-day national lockdown, which takes effect Thursday at midnight. The association's chief executive officer, Wendy Albert, says they received communication from the Minister of Tourism, Mamoroko Kubaingubani, making the decision unequivocal. We received direct communication from the Minister's office giving us very clear instructions that all restaurants, takeaways, QSRs, canteens and any type of food establishment in South Africa will need to adhere to the 21-day shutdown. And she went on further to confirm in her writing that that will include all deliveries. The African Export-Import Bank has delivered a training program for Zimbabwean banks to help enhance their technical skills and trade finance. Trade finance plays a key role in economies and, according to the World Trade Organization, some 80 to 90 percent of world trade relies on it. Local bankers received capacity training and topics that include documentary letters of credit, bills for collection, bank guarantees, the relevant International Chamber of Commerce rules, Compliance issues related to trade finance and risks in international business and ways of mitigating them. Property prices in Namibia are defying the economic theories of supply and demand as property prices are failing to succumb to a fall in demand in the medium, large and luxury housing segments. According to the latest housing index report by FNB Namibia, 90% of transactions in the housing market in the fourth quarter of 2019 only came from the small segment. The housing index shows that the small segment contributed 70% of transaction volumes in 2016 and has gradually increased to 80,9% in 2019. The U.S. dollar is trading at 366 Nigerian Nara 9, 11 Botswana Pula 43, 105 Kenyan Shilling 33, and 17 Zambian Kwacha 33. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 5 Brazilian roll 11, 78 Russian ruble 76, 76 Indian rupee 12, 7 Chinese yuan 6, and 17 uh, rands 58. In BRICS, rather, the US dollar will cost you 85 pence to the British pound and at 92 cents to the euro. Gold, $1,610. Platinum, $726 per ounce. Brand crude oil, $27.80 a barrel. Channel Africa. It's now time for our sports news with Figile Lingwati. In this hour, in our sports update, World Football's governing body, FIFA, has welcomed the decision to postpone the 2020 Tokyo Olympics amid efforts to contain the coronavirus pandemic. According to the statement released, FIFA firmly believes that the health and well-being of all individuals involved in sporting activities should always be their highest priority. And as such, they welcome the IOC's decision. Citing the need to safeguard health, 
The International Olympic Committee issued a joint statement earlier yesterday with Japanese leader Shinzo Abe postponing the Games until next year. Still with football news, Barcelona forward Lionel Messi and Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola have each donated 1 million euros towards the fight against the coronavirus. Argentina International Messi's donation will be split between hospital clinic in Barcelona and another medical center in his home country. This is according to the report from Marsa. Former Barcelona player and manager Guardiola made his contribution to a campaign launched by the Angel Soleil Daniel Foundation and Medical College in Barcelona. Before Guardiola made his donation, the campaign had raised 33,000 euros in three days. Spain is the country's worst affected by the disease in Europe outside of Italy with 2,696 deaths and almost 40,000 positive cases. The year 2020 marks approximately eight years since Zamalek head coach Patrice Cateron came into Africa and he continues to be one of the few European coaches who are making an indelible mark in African football. Just last month, Cateron won two back-to-back -back Super Cup titles, beating Esperance in the Kev Super Cup and also arch rivals Ahli in an Egyptian Super Cup game. Interestingly, both games took place outside Africa in Doha, Qatar and Dubai, United Arab Emirates, respectively. As he reflects on his stay in Africa so far, Cateron, who hails from France, says he felt in love with this continent. I think I felt in love uh, for Africa for more than more times than only 2013, uh, you know, since I'm, I'm uh, young. And don't ask me why, you know, uh, the only woman I felt in love in my uh, life where... Uh, black uh, black ladies so i think uh, <laughs> all my all my life uh, uh, i needed to come to africa and i was so happy to come in 2013 it was to me like a dream come coming through and uh, i was so happy to to come to to south africa in 2013 to come to the country of uh, nelson mandela for me it was uh, an amazing experience uh, i love this country it was really a uh, an amazing competition, the Africa Cup of Nations, my first big international competition. And I do love this uh, continent uh, more than mine, I think. Baba Lala Cha, captain of South Africa's senior women's rugby team, is back home after just three months for Spanish women's rugby team, SD Eibar Femino, in the women's rugby league. Her season was cut short due to the global outbreak of the coronavirus. Lacha is the first South African woman to secure a professional contract in Europe. She's currently in self-isolation for 14 days since her arrival back home on the 18th of March. She admits that in the last few weeks, she has feared for her life and career. Um, in all honesty, it, it, it was quite scary. Um, you know, um, I feared for my life, um, for my career. Um, I was quite anxious throughout, you know, the the whole time from the period that I first heard about it until the time that I actually um, went back home. But, um, you know, the key thing was for me to keep calm and not panic about anything. Um, so it, it has been quite a scary experience, um, uh, you know, having all the leagues, all national leagues being cancelled. It just shows the gravity of it. And it escalated from there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a global crisis and that, that I think should be, you know, taken up extremely, extremely seriously by Everyone. That's your sport news this hour.
Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine for today. From myself, Jolani Tulo Producers, Pumuzo Ramagaza, and Jane Rabatata, Technical Producer, Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team, thank you for listening. For comments about our show, send us a tweet on at, at Rise Shine Africa or email at info at channelafrica.org. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Mungo Africa with a song titled Lazaro. Do enjoy. Thank you.